They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Hello and welcome back to For the Culture, the podcast where we discuss what's relevant and what's popping in the culture. My name is Michael Gervey. My name is Isaac Gall. And boy, do we have a great episode for you <laughs> oh, today. Oh, we do This could indeed. be our biggest episode yet so far. I've never been more excited to record a podcast episode than this one because we have a incredibly special guest. He is the digital content consultant at Hip Hop DX. He has hosted and written for the YouTube channel before they were famous. He was an Applebee's bartender in our local city. It's none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Jeremy Hecht. Welcome, welcome. Ben, thank you. Thank, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm usually the one, uh, when I do interviews, I'm usually the one doing the introduction, so it's not often that I get uh, introduced, so I appreciate the kind words. And more than anything, I appreciate you bringing up my bartender past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Sure. If, you, if you guys didn't know, I was the, uh, the thirst thrasher, the quintessential quencher, uh, permanent resident at H2O Town. Uh, Jay Hecht on the taps at uh, Applebee's, <laughs> as well as Cafe 22, a seasoned one summer bartender uh, before hanging up the towel. Wow. You know what? That might be the most important one yet. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Wow. Um, I'm doing great. No, it's, uh, it's a pretty nice day in Winnipeg, you know? Pretty hot. Yeah. How's it, uh, how's it looking in LA? <laughs> uh, <Probably good. laughs> Pretty similar to how it looks most days. Uh, obviously a weird time right now, but uh, no complaints on the weather end, definitely. Right. Um, how does it feel to be on the other side yeah. of the, uh, the interview? Other side of the table. It's weird, yeah. I, it, I would say because most of the time when I do interviews, I try to keep um, my own personal takes on things to a minimal and try to keep it about the guest. Um, so I feel weird even talking this much and the fact that I usually am in control of the conversation and like know the direction it's going. So it's almost like I feel a little bit vulnerable because I'm letting you guys take charge and, and I'll go wherever you take me. Awesome. All right. So let, uh, let's just get into it because I'm sure this, I mean, this conversation can go in any, any direction. So let's just start it off. How, how do you, how'd you get into the interest industry? Like what, what got you uh, a young boy in Winnipeg in a small town to the big city of LA. How, how does something like that happen? Uh, well, you know, it started off in a, in probably a similar way to what you guys are doing right now. Um, podcasting wasn't necessarily a thing when I was starting out, but I was more so interested in the music aspect of it first. Like if you guys didn't know, like I was actually rapping first. So like, I was, I think, probably ninth grade. What grade are you guys in right now? 11. We're both in 11. Yeah. 11. So I think end of ninth grade, so I was like 15. Um, I started just writing raps. Like At that time, it was like right when in 09, like Drake and J. Cole and Kid Cudi and like kind of that generation, Kendrick, were coming out. So those are kind of the guys that inspired me to like start writing. So I started writing music, putting it out, uh, kind of gaining some confidence uh, thinking about life. Um, and then at some point along the road, uh, a few years later, I started doing interviews. Um, and it was just for this magazine called respect magazine. And I would do phone calls similar to what we're doing right now. And I would just ask these questions, uh, that I would want to know as a fan. And it wasn't like huge artists, but for me at the time it was like, okay, this is cool. I get to talk to these artists and feel like we're having really good conversations and I felt like I was good at it. And then I was like, okay, well, I gotta get, I gotta get out, you know, like my cap, I kind of had reached in Winnipeg. I felt like, you know, I, I had a couple big songs. I, I felt like I had a couple big shows as an artist. And then in terms of media, I didn't really know where to go with it. So I was like, let me, let me do what I call the J. Cole route where he went to, to New York, um, to go to school, but with the intention of meeting Jay-Z and getting signed. 
And so I was like, okay, let me do the same thing, but with media. And so like, I'll meet, um, you know, a radio host or I'll meet somebody on TV and I'll basically get signed to them in the same way, get an internship and, uh, and make it happen. So when I got, uh, I applied to schools in New York and LA, I got accepted to USC with a scholarship, excuse me, in communications, uh, and PR and, um, and long story short, basically when I got out here within the first couple weeks, uh, spontaneous things started happening. I won't call them random necessarily because I don't necessarily believe in, all, in in coincidence. But when I got out here, um, two weeks in, there was a, a charity basketball game uh, hosted by Power 106, which is a big hip-hop radio station out here. And I remember I like walked by and I saw it on my Instagram account. I was like, oh, okay, like, I'll see if I can try to get in. The game was half over. Met some dude, I don't even remember his name, on the street who was like, oh, I'm going to the game too if you want to join. I was like, all right, sure. So I parked my bike outside, scalped a ticket from some guy for like 10 bucks outside. We only had one ticket, so me and this other dude, shout out to him, I don't even remember his name. We like, you know when you like can walk past the scanner and you're both walking at the same time? Like, so both of you scan and in the time. So we basically did that, we had one ticket. Um, Anyways, moral of that story is at the end of that charity basketball game, I for some reason had some sort of inkling and feeling that like something was going to happen. I was like, I want to meet the radio personality. Jay Cruz, his name was, um, and he was a host of the morning show there. So I'm like, okay, that's going to be my Jay-Z. Like, let me, Jay Cruz is my Jay-Z. Let me, let me meet him and let me get signed to the radio station. Um, so I snuck, I snuck past security. I waited like half hour until all the lights were down. Snuck past security to go meet him at the bottom of the basketball court. And I started talking to him. Uh, you know, long story short, he, he gives me his number. And, um, and in LA, I call it the LA pump fake because a lot of people reach their hand out and then they pull it back. They'll say like, you know, I got you, I'll help you. Um, at that point, I had like, I was still rapping. So I had like rapped for, for like, take off from the mega or not take off i'd rap for like dj khaled and like dj carnage and uh cameron and like all these people told me they were i was dope like cameron was wow. inviting me to the studio which is a crazy that's a big crazy. compliment and so i was like uh okay and the, but nothing ended up uh coming to fruition for any from any of those people like they'd all you know kind of given me emails or given me texts or whatever but for so for cruz he's like yeah I'll, I'll invite you to the studio take my number I'm like all right I'm not expecting much so the next day I get a text and he was like hey come down to the studio uh on Wednesday if you're free I'm like all right sure <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm not doing anything better so uh whereas in Winnipeg like what would you say the longest <laughs> car ride you have to take is oh god an hour max maybe tops like tops like on a so like yeah so I I think out here <laughs> to give you like relative terms like i think that 20 minutes is a short car ride at this point i'm like oh that's nothing what? but like i'll get back home and i'll like from my place to like selkirk or something or transcona it's like no i'm not going there <laughs> no I'm, I'm not driving 25 <laughs> minutes yeah no that's so true though so it, it was in the radio stations in burbank and the show started at like seven and so it in, in rush hour traffic it takes about an hour and a half and I was Uber pooling because I didn't like have I didn't want to spend the thirty bucks on the Uber. So, anyways, I wake up early, get down to the station, haven't even received a text back from him. I don't really know uh, what's gonna happen. Like, I don't even know if they're gonna allow me in the station because all the only text I got was "Are you free Wednesday? Come to the studio." So I'm like, all right. So I get there, and um, that day he's like, I, you know, he said says what's up, introduced me to everyone at the radio station. And uh, he's like, we got an interview in the other room. Uh, Mac Miller's here if you want to join, if you want to sit in on it. What? And you could, that was my reaction. Like, I was like, wait. And this is at the time he was just starting to date Ariana. It was like the um, Divine Feminine album. And he had just said he just got sober at that point. I remember he was, he was drinking um, a coffee and he said it had four to five espresso shots in it. <laughs> because <laughs> oh he said Jeez. he said that was subbing for like the drugs like he needed some stimulant in the morning yeah and uh anyway so i got to sit in on that i was like thank you as a fellow uh white jewish rapper i appreciate your contributions to hip-hop <laughs> 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 and, 
And, um, and after that, he was, so that was cool to see. I was like wide-eyed, definitely in that room. Uh, after that, um, he's like, oh, just wait around for a bit. Um, he's like, you said you do interviews too, right? You said you like want to be where I'm at one day. Well, um, we have Chance the Rapper in uh, next Ooh. week. Do you, do you think you could help with some questions? Whoa. And, and this is Chance. Keep in mind, this is 20... 2016, right? 16, yeah. So this would be like, did, I, did Ultralight Beam come out already? Um, Ultralight Beam came out like June 2016. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been right after that. Um, so like probably Chance at his peak in terms of career-wise. Yeah. And um, so he's like, do you want to help? Just send me over a list of questions that you would ask. Um, and if I like any, I'll use them on air. So I was like, all right, sure. So um, I remember, I remember like not really paying attention, like skipping class, like sitting on the toilet, watching all his old interviews, like basically spending all my time to come up with like the dopest questions. And I was like, okay. So I sent over like a page of like three questions or three, sent over three pages of questions to Cruz. And he was like, you know, I don't even know if he responded. I think I like sent him over email. I, I don't think he responded. I sent him a text like, hey, I sent you the questions. Like, you know, I didn't even get a response. At this point, I didn't. That's what. And like, I, at that point. A little nerve wracking. Right. And at that point, I wasn't really sure. You know, I didn't really understand the game as much and the industry as much. So I kind of took it personally. I was like, why is he not answering? And uh, anyways, I get a notification on my on my phone that says Power 106, Chance the Rapper interview uh out now i'm like all right so i i watched the interview and i noticed like two or three of my questions that i sent in were actually used like they they asked chance the questions and excuse me got pretty good responses i was like okay like that's pretty cool like but then i was like okay but like what do i do with that like i don't like that's cool but like where do i go yeah where now so from there um long long i would say this spans over probably like five, six months, you know, me hitting up, hitting them up like, hey, like I see you have Kaylani in, I see you have this person in, like let me help with the interview, I'll send you more questions, how's it going? He had a baby, I was like, congrats on the baby. I'm sending all these texts like probably every couple months and uh, and getting no reply. And like now knowing him, like, you know, we're friends, so uh, he, he, he just doesn't respond to texts very well, like that's just him. And he'll tell you that to your face. But at the time I was like, I don't know what to do. So I like, I applied for the official internship on their on their website and like I sent in this long cover letter about how I helped out on the Chance the Rapper interview and like if you remember me I was at the studio whatever and uh I got a call I got the job and basically over the next two years I um I started basically giving them questions for every interview that they had so Big Sean, Nipsey Hussle, Ice Cube, uh, you name crazy. it somebody came in I, I was basically you know, ghostwriting all these questions for my favorite artists. And, uh, you were never in, you were never the one asking them. Like at that point it was, uh, it was ghostwriting. And then every once in a while he'd like, give me like a, an alley-oop. It'd be, it'd be like waiting on the bench almost. And then every once in a while there was an interview where I, I think DJ Khaled, he like, let me speak and, uh, Majid Jordan, you know, the oh, Toronto singers, he, yeah. he let me ask a question. And like, and I remember that was so like, they, they even were like, whoa, like that's a really deep question. And so, you know, I got a couple opportunities, but it really started to take shape on my own when, and, I, and I'll say to anybody starting, um, and you guys are kind of doing this right now, but you, you're never really gonna get a full handout. Like, uh, it, motion begets motion. So when you start moving, things around you start, start moving too. So I started just reaching out and doing my own interviews. And I would, uh, I would email people and just be like, hey, can I interview you? Like YouTubers, all these you know, rappers, kind of smaller rappers, anyone I could think of. And I would get no answers to most of them. Like, no reply. And then uh, every once in a while, I'd get a yes. You know, like Timothy De La Ghetto, if you're familiar with him, he's on Wild and Out. Yeah. So he, he was the first uh, person to say yes to me. And he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do an interview with you. <laughs> I, and it's funny because I, 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 did you guys say, what was your podcast name? Did you say it was the best podcast in the world? Yeah. Um, 
We definitely said that at some point, right? Yeah, we say it here and there. I mean, we are the best podcast in the world, but we like to think um, so. <laughs> no doubt. So I, you know, I. It's funny because my interview show name at the time was the best interview ever, <laughs> and so I would say like, you know, I'm here with them. This is the best interview ever. And then uh, at the end of the interview, all the time they'd be like, "That actually was the, the best interview ever." So I, 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 that's funny that you guys have the same idea. But but anyways, I feel like I'm rambling, but. But the the point of that was, so I started doing these on my own, but then I got a couple opportunities. Once I started doing that at Power, there was a red carpet event that basically uh, they asked me to do because only because all of the other people at the radio station were busy that night. And, and by that point, they'd probably done a million of them. Like even I'm at the point where like an interview might come through that I used to would have jumped at like, oh yeah, of course I'll do that. And now I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of busy. I don't really have time to interview that person. So at, th- at that point they were kind of, I'm sure 10 years in, they were tired out of, of red carpet events. But me, I was like, what? The-? They're like, do you want to go do this Will Smith red carpet event? I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I go and I'm, I'm, you know, doing, um, you know, everything I could, I, I, I had my camera, I had a microphone. I think I, my microphone didn't even work. So I was using my phone, literally just recording on my phone. I had one, it was only me. So most people had a camera person um, and I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like, I don't know. Like, so at this red carpet event, um, I just was asking people around me for advice. Like, how do I, how do I do this? Like, can you, I, I don't know. The PR person happened to put me in the middle of the, the red carpet and like, I guess I was Power 106 representing, so I, I sort of had some pull. So it was weird because I would just be like, oh, they'd be like, do you want to interview anyone? I'd be like, oh, can you get me Ty Dolla Sign? And they're like, yeah, sure. Ty Dolla Sign comes over. I interview Ty Dolla Sign. Uh, can you get me Machine Gun Kelly? Sure. Okay, I in- interview Machine Gun Kelly. I interview Exhibit. I interview uh, like all of these these people that I looked up to. And I had, I had gotten a list of the people who were going to be there. So I prepared questions for, for everyone that were like specific questions. Right. And I remember asking like Ty Dolla Sign if, uh, if he was going to change his name because now that he has money in his bank, he should change his name to Ty Dolla Signs, <laughs> plural. <laughs> <laughs> and stupid stuff. Anyways, I interview Will Smith. Like the one, Will, Will Smith walks by. I'm like, hey, Will, as if it's like no big deal. Hey, Will, do you think like – Ask him, ask him a question. He like turns around. He's like, yeah, 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 that's it. And nobody else got a question. It was like three people on the red carpet out of like 50 people got a question just because I just happened to have some balls to ask him the question there. Wow. Out of body experience. Well, that is insane. Um, and super, super uh, long story short, which I, I sit, keep saying that and I've been talking for like 20 minutes. Um, but end of that story is the person standing next to me on the red carpet is actually Hip Hop DX. And so I meet them there and, uh, oh. and, and you know, didn't even really keep in contact. We follow each other on Instagram, me and the, me and the videographer. And uh, I went for coffee once with the interviewer, but we didn't really keep in contact that much. They see that I'm, I'm working for Before They Were Famous to tie this all together, who was, Michael was the host of the show, was one of the people who I contacted in those cold emails asking for interviews. Ah. So that's how he knew me. I started working for them. Uh, Hip Hop DX sees that I'm doing that. They want to align on some scripts. One thing leads to another. Opportunities arise there. And that's how I got here. Wow, that's an insane wow. story. You've done so much already. And I mean, you still have your whole life ahead of you. And you've done... I mean, like you're living the dream, like <laughs> already, it's insane. Um, yeah. Um, so one thing I want to particularly ask about that, you know, you've had your career; it hasn't been incredibly long, but it's there's been so much that you've done in there, like in a short period of time. That's just been crazy. And you know, I've been following you on Instagram. I see it pop up. Wow, Polo G interview, Stunner for Vegas. I'm like, wow, that's insane, right? And yeah. one thing that I just I've come across not only from your Instagram, but just on meme accounts that I followed is the uh, the Playboy Cardi thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, talk about or tell me about how you came across that and what your thoughts were when you saw it. So for for somebody listening, they're like, "What are you talking about the Playboy Cardi thing?" So when I was working for 
uh, before they were famous, uh, which is a YouTube channel. You basically, we documented like the come up of artists from like when they were a time of a kid to when they were famous. And uh, they're a big channel. They have like 3 million subscribers. So one of the vid- one of the things I started doing was once I started uh, getting more comfortable with the audience and like I would I would make a lot of bad puns, a lot of jokes. And it was like kind of an inside thing. Like the, the comments would like kind of hit me back with puns on my name. Like they'd be like, oh, that's one, that was one heck of a joke you said at like three minutes and three seconds. So it was kind of a back and forth. But, but with the Playboy Cardi video, I kind of went a little extra and overboard where the entire intro, I think I listed like 15 uh, of his songs in, in pun form, basically summing up his, his journey. And I was kidding, obviously, like in context of the video, I usually say like, okay, uh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll leave after like those bad jokes. But somebody cut the 15 seconds from the beginning of the video and posted it on like a meme account and was like, Playboy Cardi fans need to be stopped. And, uh, and then it became this huge thing where like people would reference it all the time as like, oh, this is what Playboy Cardi fans are like, or like Playboy Cardi fans are so annoying, or like this guy needs to be stopped, or like this is why white people should never listen to rap. Like it, it was like, like I saw all of these <laughs> memes. And so it was funny because like when you're like, what, <laughs> what, what was that like? When I, when I woke up and saw it all over the place, a few people tagged me because my, t- my at name was in the the video so i started reaching out to a few of the meme accounts i was like hey man like i uh, love the post like even if they were roasting me like there's a few that like literally were just making fun of me i'd reach out and be like hey man uh love the post uh <laughs> appreciate it like i'd respond mostly positively and and like a few of those people actually like stay in contact with me and like defend me on on other meme accounts now if they somebody else ever posts that they'll be like no that's my guy jeremy Whoa. um so that's crazy. That was a funny flip, but I didn't take it too seriously, man. I was uh when I started working for the channel. Keep in mind, you're one of the you know the saying is like never fill a great man's shoes, and um, and I think that goes especially in media when you're replacing somebody. You have to keep in mind that the audience is expecting a certain thing. So when I filled in with no practice, never having really any media training or experience, bad lighting, I had like cheap lights. I'm filling in for a polished product and I'm learning on the go. So the first few episodes are like, everyone's roasting me. Like, who is this new guy? We don't, we want Michael, who are you? And I think the one thing I learned from that was like, A, never take anything too personally. Same thing where I didn't, at at this point looking back, somebody not responding to a text, it's not on you. It's because they actually have a busy schedule. It's because they have a lot going on. Same thing with somebody in the comments. They're not insulting you because they actually hate you. They're insulting you because they have nothing better going on or they think it's funny, whatever. So that was one thing. The other thing I learned was never look too much at the highs and the lows. So if somebody comments on your podcast and says, this is you know the shittiest thing I've ever heard, or if somebody says, you know, I've never heard anything like this. Like, this is spectacular. A or B there, mm-hmm. don't really focus on them because it doesn't matter. But those people in the middle who give you something like, hey, I like this podcast, but maybe do something different here. Or, you know, that 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 episode was great, but, or that episode was shitty, but I really liked when you did this. You know, so I think I learned to to kind of play in that middle ground and I started improving. Like, I started looking at people... Uh, saying like, hey, you know, don't move your hands as much. Or hey, like your lighting's a little bit off. Maybe if you turn down the exposure or, you know, whatever it was, uh, I would take it to, to heart and actually study myself and learn. And by the time I finished, like a year and a half into the job, if you look back at my first video, you'd be like, that's a whole different person. So at that point, I was kind of immune to it to get back to the Playboy Cardi thing. But I did think it was funny. Right. Yeah, I remember I came across it like the first time, not even on your account. Just I think someone sent it to like, uh, like a group chat I was in yeah, yeah, yeah and I was like oh my god I know that guy that's so funny <laughs> and like that was, that was just really crazy to me um how do you feel when you see like one of your interviews go, go viral like all over like complex like XX when everybody like reposts something like that like for example your Jeezy one with uh his ad-libs on Kanye's can't tell me nothing or um 
your you had some clips from the uh, your interview with the game that went like yeah. re- that did really well. Uh, how do you feel when you see it like reposted everywhere? That to me was and maybe still is the most gratifying part of at least the interview side of things um, because that was always the dream, right? Like to impact the culture that I love that kind of you know has given me a career that I grew up listening to. The fact that my question sparked something or that I provided value to people, like an answer that, like the Jeezy thing, like an answer to a question that they might've had for a long time, um, to see it like unavoidable, like in the same way that Playboy Cardi meme uh, was everywhere, you couldn't avoid it. Like those things too, like you couldn't avoid it. You go on complexes, there, genius there. And so, but it became intoxicating. So that Jeezy one was the first one. And um, the story behind that interview actually is I wasn't even supposed to do that interview. Really? Yeah. Cause I, so, you know, I, it goes back to like, be prepared for your, for your moment. Cause when, when it comes, they don't ask you if you're ready, you just have to be ready. So, right. um, so when yeah. I, when I started out for hip hop DX, I was doing a similar thing. I was ghostwriting their interview questions for a show called Crook's Corner with uh, Crooked Eye who was signed to Eminem. And I was writing, I was writing their questions, and one of the guests happened to be Jeezy, and uh, and Crook couldn't show up. He he was I, I don't know if he was on tour, had a show or something. He's like I can't make it in time, um, and so the the team, the content team was like, okay, let's cancel the interview, and uh, and I was like, mm, don't cancel it. I have all these questions written. Like I'll do it. Um, worst case scenario, it's a terrible interview. Best case scenario, we get something out of it, right? But like, don't waste the opportunity. So I was nervous as I show up, the, the manager comes in and he's like, you have 10 minutes with Jeezy and don't ask questions about his relationship. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we're, we're about 10 minutes in and, uh, and you could tell Jeezy was, it was going really well. Like Jeezy was really into it. So his manager came over and he said like, you can have 20. And, um, and so I was like, okay, I know, I know I'm flowing. So, you know, when I asked that question, about his ad libs, I knew that that was a moment right away, and uh, the the interview ended up going thirty minutes, and so once once that one hit, there was a few moments from the interview that went everywhere, that went viral, and so to me it was almost like gratifying to be like, yeah, you can do this, like you you are built for this. Um, there is a special connection that you're able to have when you're interviewing people, and so you know, from there, I was almost like, okay, that became a standard on my first ever real interview. So I was like, okay, I got to keep making it happen. And so you almost get into a pattern of like chasing these moments. Um, And so now I'm at the point where I want to get those out of every interview, but I'm less about like, you know, that's, that's less of the goal to me. I just want to make it the best interview I can. And if that happens, great, but that's not necessarily what I need to happen. Whereas before it was like, if it didn't happen, it was an unsuccessful interview, you know? Right. All right. So, um, I really want to know out of all the interviews you've done, I mean, you've done many, um, for example, the Polo G one, the game you've done with all these incredible artists, which one is your favorite? Which one meant the most to you? Um, probably two. Probably two. That that Jeezy one for sure, just because it was the first one, so that always hold a special place. And then one that like might a lot of people might not think would be that uh, meaningful because it's not like it did numbers. It's not like uh, it was for a big network and it didn't didn't get circulated or anything. It didn't didn't produce a viral moment. But um, my favorite rapper yeah. growing up, like when I was your age, I think he had probably just put out his mixtapes. You probably don't even know who this is, but his name is XV. Okay, and he was supposed to be like the next guy. Like he was with, if you look at guys now, like Wiz Khalifa, Big Sean, Kid Cudi, uh, Drake, he was on that same trajectory in terms of how how well his mixtapes were received online in the blog era, but he just never really made it. Um, and he and he stepped away. He just took it was kind of like in a J Electronica sense of just like taking a step back from the game and nobody knows where they are. And so I DM'd him on Twitter because uh, he, he, he kind of, he said he had a show out here and it was like out of nowhere. It was like his first show in a long time. Nobody really knew what happened. He had kind of said he was making a comeback a couple of times, but never really did at this point. And I reached out, I was like, hey, can I, can I interview you? Um, and at this point I didn't really have any clout. It was more so just like my own YouTube channel and my work for power. 
And he's like, yeah, sure. And so I, I it was like after a show, he was like three hours late. Um, but I, I got to talk to him and ask him like literally just the questions that like I wanted to know about what happened um, as a fan of my favorite rapper. And so that was super gratifying that he gave me the opportunity to, to give him his first interview in like years. And the fact that we're like cool now, you know, like that he commented on that Jeezy interview and he said, when I saw you doing this, I knew that you were in God's purpose, like you were walking your path. Like, so like for, for that to come full circle, that, that definitely is, is one that's close to my heart. That's insane. Um, okay. So, um, this is a question that I really thought about and, um, I've been anticipating to ask you, um, from where you are right now, which with as much success as you have had what's what's next what's next for jeremy hecht what's the what's the the dream from where you are it's interesting because like i mean and like you say like as as much success as i had i i really like i've really only been doing it like for a few years and i feel like there's so much more to go but it's interesting because you'll probably find this um somebody a a writer for rolling stone his name is charles he um i emailed him once asking him for advice and he said um he said aim way higher than you initially thought you would get because you're going to reach your goals much quicker than you think. And once you get there, you're not going to necessarily know what to do with it. So, and and I took that to heart because it started happening. Like, for example, if you would have asked me at, at 20, at 18, even what my goal was with this, it would have been to talk to the biggest artists in the world, to have my own show, uh, to be viewed by millions of people, to start cultural conversations, uh, to, you know, whatever, expand people's minds in terms of what they're thinking about. And it's just like, okay, I, I got, I've got the views, I got the shows, I got the interviews. So it's like, okay. So you kind of realize that if you're, if you're basing your, uh, your trajectory off of goals, there always is gonna be the next one. You're always gonna be chasing after something. You're always gonna reach it and be like, okay, what next? And so I honestly am not 100% sure to, to give you an uninteresting answer, um, but I think, I think it's just continuously expanding what I, what I want and what I think I can do. Um, so at this point, like, as much as I'm interested in just the music aspect, I would love, I would love to have something at some point like similar to like a Joe Rogan, where, you know, you can talk, where I can use my my love, my passion for hip hop, and I can use my passion for philosophy or whatever it is, and incorporate that into conversations. But have these conversations with whoever, whether it's a doctor, psychologist, philosopher, rapper, and and try to have conversations that open people's minds to maybe new ideas that they didn't think about before, whether it's spirituality or, you know, certain philosophical things, certain, even, even music going deep in that. So some type of show like that. I don't know exactly what it is, uh, but hopefully it happens at some point. Right. Yeah, um, 100%. Obviously, as we mentioned, you've been starting to interview some like bigger people and you know who have like some serious clout and like um the names are just getting bigger and bigger like recently polo g um yeah they're just getting bigger and bigger but who would you say is your dream interview um i really only have three maybe okay i'll give you my top five so um drake because like the people who I've studied for 10 years, like imagine for you, it, it, it might, it'll be different, but like, let's say Polo G is one. So like you're seeing him now at 16, 17, and then at 26, 27, you see where he's at and you've studied him for 10 years and you've seen the entire trajectory. So for me, these guys are in that, in that uh, framework where not only have I studied them musically i've studied their actions them as people the highs the lows like everything they've gone through and so for me that's the most interesting thing to go through that journey of like where you were at at this moment at 23 starting out dropping your debut album versus where you were at at your lowest with push a t like so that that's one kanye as much as i don't necessarily like a lot of not not only his music but a lot of his antics 
over the last five years. Um, I'd still love to sit down with him. Um, Frank Ocean, just because he's nobody's really gotten an interview out of him in like ten years, and I think he's just got so he, like he, yeah. same thing where he's kind of so quiet that I would love to fill in the spaces on what he's doing in those quiet periods. Uh, that's three. Cuddy because he was like the first person that really got me like to love like my own generation of hip hop. Like, whereas I'd like Jay-Z, Eminem, 50 Cent, Lil Wayne before, but he was like the first guy I kind of came up listening to. Uh, that's four. And five, uh, maybe Kendrick or Cole, but I might actually say Jay Electronica. Um, Ooh. Just because same thing, there's so much mystique that there there would be yeah. literally so many questions as a fan and like looking at him over ten years that I would just want to mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I I definitely wow. can see like the J Electronic and Frank Ocean thing because you know they're just so like you don't know much about them you know like yeah. aside from their music they're kind of just yeah they kind of hole up and then you don't see them. Yeah, um, and, and that's hard to do when you're on top. Like just think yeah. about it, like. Like it's like what Dave Chappelle did walking away from like a hundred million or whatever. It's like when you're at the top of your game and everyone's eyes are on you and like all you ever wanted was to be known for your music. And then you have like in Jay Electronica's case, he had like Diddy, Jay Z, like everybody kind of giving him praise. In Frank Ocean's case, like he you know Grammy nominated, uh you know got all the praise from all like critically acclaimed albums like you have everything you ever wanted and kind of goes back to what i was talking about before um you reached your goals so what's next and you and you would think that the the, mm-hmm. the next logical step would be let's do it again but like i also completely understand why maybe you get there and it's not what you thought it was or maybe you realize like you weren't happy um, and you need to step away and figure that out for yourself. So I, I'm just really intrigued by the human aspect of it. Yeah. Um, Frank Ocean is like my favorite artist. And, you know, not only does he not like come out very often or like do interviews really at all, but he doesn't do concerts often. Mm. Which, you know, if if he's your favorite artist and he's not really doing concerts, it's just, it's kind of, it yes. yeah, yeah. You, you really, it's really crazy to hear from him. And, you know, he was going to Coachella and, you know, I was going to be there at the same time. So I was kind of pumped and hoping to get tickets. Yeah. And then, you know, it got postponed. And then I saw people online saying like, Frank Ocean did this whole thing just so he didn't have to perform. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's so true. Like he just, uh. I, I said, I, as soon as I saw him on that lineup, I said, no chance. I, <laughs> I, I was like, literally, I was like, I, I was like, I'm going to try to get tickets, but that man is not performing like yeah i, I was think like if you look what? at his track record it was like he's performed like 14 times over the past like 10 years or something yeah see that's like ridiculous <laughs> um now i just want to get into some more personal like opinion questions um more about you and like how you feel about music itself let's do it so First off, what album or artist got you really into hip hop? You know, everyone has that first album that they listen to that just kind of started an inspiration or like a love of hip hop music. What would you say your album is? Um, the first album that I remember buying, like with my own money, was um, Fifty Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, and it was the clean version. I wasn't allowed to get the dirty version. And this is when uh, when streaming wasn't around, obviously. So, like, you had to, like, put it in your CD, like, boombox, if you guys you remember what that is. And uh, so I remember that. Yeah. Uh, the Eminem show is probably around that time. Black album, Jay-Z. But, like, like I was saying with Cuddy, I think, I think Man, on the, Man on the Moon, uh, the album, and maybe Man... So Man on the Moon, the mixtape, and So Far Gone, Drake's mixtape, and J. Cole's The Warm Up were probably like the first like albums that I personally felt connected to where I was like oh they're going through similar emotions or they're feeling similar things because that was at the time like before that it was almost like hip-hop was really hardcore like if you look at what what's going on today with like who you listen to it's really open and really uh you know people people express their pain and people express what they're what they're going through emotionally but at that time it was like 
people were really hardcore. Like G, if you look at Jeezy and Fifty Cent and yeah, you know, even it was even, like gangster stuff, right? So there was nobody, and I was I was a little younger. So once I was in high school, I was like, okay, I, even though these guys are a little older than me, I can still connect to some of the things they're going through. So I would say like so far gone and Man on the Moon, the mixtape, were like the first time I was like, okay, this is like something that I relate to and something I want to write and something I want to talk about. Yeah, obviously, like I wasn't really into like music at that time like obviously like when those albums came out like so far gone was 2008 2009 yeah i was like five six years old right so, you know but i do i do i have done my research and i know a lot about that and i know like what you're saying like it was like 50 cent and lil wayne and like yeah that in the club type of sound and like gangster type of attitude and then like you you got kanye with 808s yeah and then Drake came after that and Cuddy and it just kind of, it changed and it created like all the artists that Michael and I love today with their like melodies. Like we're really yeah. big melodic hip hop fans. Yeah, 100%. Um, melodic. We yeah, were melodic big uh, Juice World fans. Yeah, yeah, me And too. you know, that doesn't happen without these music, without these uh, albums that you're talking about right now. For sure, and Kanye even like I, you could probably trace a lot of this back. Like there would be no Drake without Kanye, no Cuddy without yeah. Kanye. Um, but it's interesting because, uh, like, don't ever let anybody tell you that what you like growing up isn't real hip hop or that like you know that the, the, there were the golden days before you because it's just so subjective. Like I remember having the debates where it's like I I'm the same way with with people I work with or people in the industry who like you know I grew up on I'm I'm a little younger than a lot of my peers so I grew up on stuff that that when you're talking like the way you're talking about the stuff I grew up on I talk about the stuff they grew up on um but it's all based on what your memories are attached to so like you guys connected with Juice World because you remember important moments in your like high school life attached to that song attached to that album so it's like it really is there's no better or worse yeah there's like better lyrically and there's or there's better singers or whatever it is but in terms of like what music means to you it really is just because it's attached to your life experiences right so speaking about like better lyrically or better this and this who would you say is like the best rapper of all time best rapper just in your opinion it, and, that, and that are you talking uh give me some criteria are we talking artist overall just lyrically like technical ability or like impact you sound like when we used to do the podcast, we revamped it and like restarted it in the last few weeks. But we used to do it like begin like September October. Yeah. And we did like top five rappers of all time. You sound exactly like those are the exact words I use. It sometimes like technical ability <laughs> artist. Um, just overall like a combination of technical ability, flow, lyrics, wordplay, and then like artistry and music itself. Just a combination. I I don't even think there's a another answer that's the right like we're talking about subjectivity i don't think there's anything other than jay-z as the answer like really yeah at this point if you look at longevity lyrics content growth over time classic albums flow metaphors uh just composure in the industry what they've been able to accomplish overall like getting to a billion dollars is not creating a brand for yourself outside of music is not an easy feat and not very many other people have done it. The other people who have done it haven't remained musically on top, like 50 Cent, Diddy, Dr. Dre. They haven't, they've, they've gotten to that level, but they haven't done it uh, while maintaining their music. Then there's people who do it just with music. If you look at Drake, uh, Kendrick, you know them for their music for the most part, but Jay-Z has done both and he's, been able to be at the highest level of both like he dropped 444 um what 20 years into into his career maybe more at uh, 90 i think he started came out 90 94 96 so yeah like 20 years in and 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 still is growing and able to like talk and speak to people on a different more mature level that's that's my answer who who do do you guys have who who are your um so if you look at just pure like artistry, I'd say Kanye's the greatest like m- musical artist, yeah, like, hip hop musical artist. And then if you look at technical ability, yeah. you might say Kendrick. But if you combine I both, know what you, 
he's gonna... <laughs> if I'm strictly looking from the rapping perspective and not talking about like business or anything like that, I would say Andre three thousand. I'm not mad at that answer. I'm not mad um, at that answer. Like, he just kind of has everything to me. Um, like flow, lyrics, wordplay, artistry. Um, he just he doesn't have the yeah. solo discography. If you're gonna make an argument that's against it, him, yeah. that's that's what you'd say. And you know I'd respect that, but if you're just looking at the artist himself, I think I'd go Andre. But uh, you know Jay Z is a very good on answer too. I like I like I like the Andre answer. He uh, especially especially because from from coming from you guys, because I know you didn't necessarily grow up on him, but like he uh, he's probably the most unique artist. Yeah. Um, of our time, and and we were talking about breaking boundaries. Like he was he was dressing. How, like he was way ahead of his time him and Pharrell were dressing in ways that people dress today when they were ridiculed for it he had a full singing album before like that was really kind of cool to do um and, and probably took a lot I mean mm-hmm. I, I wasn't around in terms of media so I don't know but I'm, I'm sure he took a lot of heat for that so uh, yeah shout out to, to Andre I, I would love to get a solo album at some point but I don't know that we will yeah when I heard uh his feature on uh Frank Ocean's album mm-hmm. um the solo reprise and then pink matter as well i was like wow this guy is incredible um and speaking of artists like andre 3000 and especially jay-z who's kept his longevity um which decade there's always a big debate between like 90s and 2010s which uh decade would you say was better for rap music in general not more influential but like just had better quality music uh, it, it, it's interesting. So, like, what we were talking about with, with with your memories being attached to it. So, it's easy to say subjectively that there's, like, objectively that there's no right answer because, like, music is, you know, it is to you what it is to you. But having re having yeah. just watched the, the Last Dance documentary, I think if we had that type of, if, like, I had that type of insight into the 90s, I think I would feel the same way I feel about MJ now, whereas before I might have been defending LeBron in that debate. I think now, now I see it as like, okay, no, this was a grittier time period. This was a more innovative time period. Um, whereas, like, it, it hadn't been done before, right? And I think in the 90s, you were seeing things that just had not been done in terms of uh, flows, in terms of, like, multi-syllable rhymes, in terms of classic albums impact that goes way beyond but that still we see it like it was biggie's uh birthday today you still see biggie trending you still see people like can't get over that guy's flow and that was you know 20 years ago at this point so i'm giving it to the 90s however i think for me my favorite era that i got to live through was that 2009 to 2000 14 uh time period just because like on a personal level that's the music that i really grew up right but i i I think objectively i will say uh 90s Yeah, so um you were you grew up in Winnipeg, right? You said that you used to write music, you were kind of a popular artist here in the yeah. hometown. So, um we're wondering, do you do you follow the Winnipeg rap scene now that you're in LA? Is that really something you check out at all or is that kind of a I distant thing now? I don't consciously, like I'm not I'm not out here being like what's going on in in the Winnipeg scene, but like I'm friends with like I'm friends with Miazway. Me and him grew up. Uh, we played oh, basketball together, and okay. we we like he opened for me at a couple shows. I opened for him at a couple shows, um, and we did a couple shows together. So we we obviously were super close. He like he sent me his album the other day. So I talked to him. Um, I talked to Lavish. Hit me up the other day. Um, wow. So I know him. I okay. and I and I know like, um, you know the the main players i think but but again i don't know yeah yeah but i don't know there could be new guys that like i have no idea about 
No, those are really the main ones. Like, um, that honestly, yeah. that's that's YSM, three, yeah, Yazway, Lavish. Those are like the three that I can really uh, think of and like really look at as prime examples. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're all super talented, I think. Like, yeah. um, and they're all unique. They all have their own unique 100%. style. So, like, I would, I love, you know, seeing people from, from Winnipeg win for sure. So, like, any, any way I can help them, even if it's just listening to their stuff, I try to. Um, right. That I, I, I feel like I oh, shout out to Lavish, but I feel like I forgot to answer his last DM, so I gotta check huh. that. But, but yeah. So, like, I love seeing people win. I think, I think where people um, make the mistake. And, uh, and I, I definitely am guilty of this, like throughout, even not that long ago throughout points in my career, but I think people make the mistake of getting too focused on Winnipeg as their ultimate goal rather than Winnipeg as being a part of their story. Like, even if you look at like the biggest artists where they represent, so like whether it's J. Cole and Fayetteville or, you know, uh, Kendrick and Compton or Drake in, in Toronto, like they did represent their city to the fullest, but it wasn't until they became who they were that they were really able to do that. So, yeah. like, if you look at Drake, like, all the six, the six God stuff, like, turning the views from the six, that really didn't happen until three albums in, or four albums into his career, where he was really able to be, like, this huge, huge artist, and then it was, like, Toronto all day, representing yeah. Toronto, representing the Raptors, right? J. Cole yeah. had no, he said on, on, in interviews, he had like, nobody was messing with him in Fayetteville. Like, it was not like people were bumping right. J. Cole. I've talked to people who live there. Like, nobody was, was really bumping J. Cole like that. But when he made it, when he got signed to, to Jay-Z and he's on tour with Jay and he drops his first album and, you know, drops his first big mixtapes, then he's able to say, yeah, that's the Ville. Like, that's where I'm from. And, and that puts them on. So, you know, the one thing I, I try to tell people is like, don't focus on necessarily trying to be the biggest artist in Winnipeg. Focus on trying to be the biggest artist in the world, and you'll automatically be the biggest artist in Winnipeg. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a really dope message for a bunch of, you know, people. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so I'm, you always like to have – I've noticed that you – what separates you from me is that you come up with some very unique questions all the time. And so I kind of tried to think of, yo, what's something unique I could ask him? So this is just kind of something I was thinking of. I okay. saw somewhere that Rich Brian was uh, trying to recreate One Train. Okay. Um, I'm sure you know One Train, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he hit up like Denzel Curry um, and a few other people to try to create this, you know, this big song. Like for yeah. those who don't know, One Train was off of uh, ASAP's 20 2012 or 2013 album uh long live asap and it had a bunch of crazy features like kendrick lamar big crit joey badass um danny brown etc and you know it was just it's a massive collab song so if you were to create your own uh one train with let's say like let's say seven artists on it collabing on one song who would you put on your one train I like that. I like that question. Um, it's I. I honestly, this sounds weird, but I think I was was having a dream about the song One Train last night. I don't know how. I can't give you any evidence that that's true, but wow. um, but yeah. And 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 it's funny because I when I interviewed Yellow Wolf, who was also on that song, I asked him um, who had the best verse on on One Train, and he said Big Crit. So if you go back and listen, that that was Yellow Wolf's pick. Um, wow. But. Okay, I think um, I'm gonna go with. Are, are we thinking similar beat, like like just like a boom bap simple beat? Um, yeah, yeah. Let's say like just a simple boom bap beat. You know, who are like seven artists who you think would mesh well together and would just they would kill the song. Okay. Yeah, kill it. I'm gonna go with the obvious picks of of Kendrick and Cole. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with your your favorite rapper Andre three thousand. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Polo G on there because he's my favorite new 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 rapper and I think he would I think he that would actually fl- flow well on there and I'm also gonna put the baby on there who's another one of my favorite new rappers. So I like that. So part. that's five. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you Frank Ocean rapping. 
he is he's a very underrated rapper right not bad um and then i'm gonna go tyler the creator because i really like listening to him rap and i don't think he uh he really raps raps anymore very much yeah. so i would like that it's more of like tyler's more of like neo soul now and yeah. you know we didn't really hear especially on igor but not even as much on flower boy much like the rapping rapping we heard on like wolf so yeah yeah i think that's a great pick and you just created like the best song of all time you know but i gotta get a female rapper yeah. on there too i can't i can't there's gotta be you know who would sound good i feel like rhapsody would sound good on there rhapsody oh, would well, definitely be a great pick. yeah if, if i were to pick a female rapper for that song i would definitely go rhapsody or rico nasty oh rico would be cool too. or even tiara whack no tiara tiara no no disrespect to uh to let's let's put both let's put both okay we'll put rhapsody and tiara whack all right that's that's yeah, not but that's a, that. that's an amazing song that is an insane song you know what if any of those artists are listening right now <laughs> make it happen let's let's make it happen let's no we'll make it happen we'll, just hit us we'll up put it together you know yeah <laughs> um 100 k so kind of just to i guess this is our finale question it's uh, do you have any advice for young aspiring uh, interviewers, podcasters, even artists like um, that are trying to, you know, make it big? What, like, do you have any advice for them? Um, my advice to creatives in general um, is especially during this time, I think. I'll say a couple things. Like, I think um, on one hand, do, right? Just just take any step. So if you have if you have a lofty goal, whether it's becoming the biggest artist in the world or becoming the most listened to podcast in the world, um, start right. Like that's that sounds simple, but step one is like do it even when you have no listeners, you have nobody following you. Um, just do it, and 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 that's the only way you're gonna have something happen. Like I said, with with my own career, you know, the only time. I got opportunities is when I kind of created them for myself and then and then people came calling people came knocking so so do um, learn as you go so like once you start doing once you start taking a step you know you realize okay this is the best way to do this or you know review your tapes review your review your game film watch back your interviews watch listen back to your old songs what can I do better um, don't be afraid to listen to feedback too in terms of like if somebody gives you honest feedback like I said don't listen to the highs and lows. Uh, if somebody give, gasses you up too much or you know tells you it's the worst thing ever, don't really pay attention to that. But people take their time out to, to really give you a, a, an honest feedback. You know There might be something to it. So listen to that, put it into your craft and try to get better every time. Um, and the other thing is, and this kind of goes just on, a, on an overall like mental health note, is like, don't be too hard on yourself. Like there's gonna be, especially during this time, like I can't stress enough that I go through days where I don't wanna create. Like I have days where I don't wanna do interviews, where I push it back. And you know, I was even asking uh, Justin Credible, who's a mentor of mine who works for the LA Leakers at Power. And he, I was like, how do you go through, like, you know, when you're having a bad day, like how do you push through it? Like you're, you, you're pressured to be on all the time, especially at night on the radio. It's like, and he was just like, you know, like I try not to force it. Like, so that's what I'll say too, is like, Try not to force your creativity. If you're having an off day, you can't write a song. Take some time. Go live a little. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Um, and then come back when you're feeling inspired. That's some great advice. I think that's some good advice. Um, all right. Yeah, well, that's all the questions we have um, for you, Jeremy. We just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Like, thank you, guys. So I, I really appreciate um, that you guys even thought of, of having me on. And, and congrats uh, on... You're starting, you know. I, I know that you guys are gonna look back on these moments in however many years and, and it'll be the start of your journey. So I can't wait to see where you guys go and if you ever need anything um in terms of advice or just wanna talk, I'm always here. So I I really appreciate right. you guys. I really appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem guys. Have a great one. All right, thank you so much. Awesome. All right. Um that was our interview with Jeremy Hex. I that was, that was one of the hacks. greatest interviews cool. I've ever heard. Um, just he was such an interesting guy to listen to, at least from our perspective. I hope it was interesting for you all as well. And Jeremy mentioned a lot about like 
I was kind of yeah kind of fanboying there. Yeah, a little nervous. You know, it's just <laughs> you know, just starting this podcast and never really having any like bigger guests is just you know it's different for us. So we hope you liked it. Um, Jeremy mentioned a lot about feedback, so we really do appreciate feedback. It just it'll only help us get better. So, you know, hit us up on our Instagram, yeah. ftc.podcast. Uh, shoot us a message. We'll always answer. Um, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening from. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you listen to, yep. it's there. Um, Check it out. And, yeah, we hope you we hope you enjoyed this episode. Sorry about not getting up the sports episode on Tuesday, but we had some insane technical difficulties. Um, like, it, it took us over four hours to record ridiculous. and like hour and a half, hour 45 podcast. And I spent another five hours at least trying to edit it and still was not able to piece it all together just because I'm missing audio or scrambled audio. So we're really sorry about that. We might put that one out on Tuesday, but we might just scrap it and save it for a later date. We might. Uh, but eventually, eventually we'll, like, re- yeah, we'll, eventually eventually we'll redo the uh, LeBron MJ uh, debate, which shouldn't even be a debate, but you know we're debating it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, we'll, we'll get I, to I've it. I've heard from a lot of people so, that just it was gonna be. They were really excited for it, so we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. So um, yeah, I guess that's all from us. Uh, this is for the culture. Again, check out the Instagram FTC.podcast. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm Michael Gervy. I'm Isaac Gall, and we, we are, are for the culture. culture. Thank you.